0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam.
1: And my name is Jeremy. And before we get started with this episode of The Danger Room, I have a plea for you. For me? No, not for you. Well, maybe, Adam, but mostly for our listeners. Here's what happened. As you may know, I've been reading the uh, for The Danger Room Podcast. I've been reading the Marvel Masterworks series. And when I got up to Volume 8, which is kind of the series that we're currently in... I missed the boat. I was unable to get it. Apparently, there must have been a limited run. I don't know what the deal is, but if you go online, you can't touch that thing for, I don't know, less than a lot of money, more money than I'm willing to pay. And so I decided, well, that's okay. It's the 21st century. I can go all digital and just read this stuff on my iPad. But then, Adam, you sent me a link to a place that was selling Volume 9 for, like, $43, and this thing retails for $75. Do you know what's in this volume?
0: I, I do, because we're recording
1: this a second time. <laughs> You're not supposed to give that part away. <laughs> You're ruining the podcast magic. Anyways, it's X-Men numbers 168 through 175, annual number seven, Marvel graphic novel number five, that's God Love, Man Kills, and Wolverine number one through four. This thing is like half the size of an omnibus. It's huge. But the problem that that puts me in now is I have Marvel Masterworks Uncanny X-Men number one, through seven then number nine there's a gap in my collection and this injustice cannot stand how will you survive <laughs> well i'll just go on day by day but it would help make my life a little bit more meaningful if our listeners who who are out there in many cities and states and countries even could take a look at their local comic book stores or used bookstores and Maybe even find a, a used copy of this that somebody forgot to mark up to the current internet prices and, and would purchase that for me. Of course, I would, I would pay for it. I would pay you the money for it, but you'd have to buy it and then send it to me. But that's okay, Adam, because I did some research on shipping, and, and since this doesn't contain any advertisements, you can ship it via
0: USPS
1: Media Mail, which is
0: really cheap.
1: Wow. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that
2: interesting?
0: I have to confess, I did look for it while I was in Hong Kong. Oh. Well, would it have been in Chinese? I No, most of the comics I saw there were in English. I mean, if it was like a manga, yes, it would have been in, in Chinese. But Would it have been a cheap cheap knockoff? I, I don't think they knock off comic books. Oh, okay. But uh, the only thing that I, I did find, which I thought you might be interested in, because you told me to look for some video games, but I didn't find any video games. Mm-hmm. But I found, and it was $80, so right away I was like, oh, I'm not going to buy this. (laughs) But um, it was like a a Sega Genesis or or some old system, but it was also a Transformer. It transformed into Megatron. What? I was like, whoa, this is cool. You're lying to me. (laughs) I'm not. It was a video game console that transformed into a robot. I can't believe you didn't buy that for me, Adam. (laughs) It was $80. bucks? i would have given you $80 for that.
1: <laughs> but here's what I'm willing to do for the volume number 8. Uh, I'm not going to pay the ridiculous internet prices that they're looking for. I'd like to keep this thing down around the $48 mark. So if you find this thing for 48 bucks, hit me up, and we'll make a deal, and then I'll have it on my shelf. And you will know that you have helped contribute to the betterment of the Danger Room podcast
0: and if you find it for over 48 bucks you should probably just send us an email. Yeah, just be like hey I saw this and and maybe by that
1: time I'll be like fine, I'll pay the $56, but, but 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 you should probably ask before you do that.
0: Well, I'm looking I'm looking at it online it retails for $60.
1: Does it? But you can't buy it for $60. That's why I'm thinking like maybe it'd be in like a used bookstore somewhere like it's second hand, like maybe you could find it on sale or go to your local library and steal it. <laughs> <laughs> I think my local library only carries the paperbacks, mm. and I'm looking. That I guess that's an important detail is that I'm looking specifically for the
0: hardbound, silver-covered version. Oh, that's right. It comes. In, isn't there two different versions? One that
1: there's one that's silver and one that's gold, and I think the gold one is like the variant, more expensive one.
0: The gold one has the masterworks numbering. Like yes. It would be. Volume 175 or something like that. Exactly.
1: And I'm not, that. I don't really, I mean, I guess if that's all that was there and it was $48, I guess I, it'd look
0: weird in my shelf, like a bunch of silver and then a gold one. But I'd still take it, you know, beggars can't be choosers, right? So what to do if our, one of our two listeners or both of our two listeners happen to both buy this at the same time? Then
1: they should keep a
0: receipt so that they can return
1: it because I don't need two copies. But what are the chances of that happening, Adam? Well, would you get it
0: from listener A and listener B? Would you make them prove to you (laughs) who's the better listener?
1: Maybe what I would do is if, for some reason, two listeners at the same time found the same book for under $48 at the same time, I would buy both of them, and then I would sell one of them for the higher price on eBay— and put the profits back into the show.
0: Whoa. That would be more money in the show than we've ever had.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, Adam. See, I'm always thinking. Uh, So anyways, how about uh, back to the regularly scheduled podcast?
0: Right. Uh, This is the Uncanny X-Men number 163, the November 1982 issue, on sale August 10th of 1982, retailing for $0.60 still. And this one is titled, Rescue Mission. Ooh.
3: The captain touched his swagger stick Up to his golden eye And boogied through the vestibule while bidding us goodbye, the enemy surrounds us, and our spirit's almost gone. The devil take the cavalry that sold us for a song.
0: I like this cover. It's a good cover. It's a great cover. I feel like it's either been parodied or, or homaged. Uh, or or it's, it's patterning itself after something else.
1: Uh, I think it's a little bit of all of that. I mean, in the pantheon of X-Men comics, I'm sure that this has been satirized or homaged by another book. Uh, but also, to me, it strikes a lot uh, of similarities or parallels to
0: Alien. Does it? I mean, I feel like this is like a classic horror movie poster. You got your... Your young uh, lady being terrorized by some sort of creature. She's all scratched up. She's in a corner.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it. I don't know. It still kind of springs to mind a young Sigourney Weaver backing away from an alien. I mean, not probably in this exact pose or this exact scene, but I don't know. Certainly similar. I suppose. But uh, yeah, I actually never really thought about the horror element, but you're, you're onto something there. It definitely... You know they're making
0: another alien movie.
1: Yes, I did.
0: And they're they're pretending like the third and the fourth one don't exist.
1: That's not a bad idea.
0: <laughs> I didn't know you could do that.
1: Uh uh, they've been doing that with Godzilla movies forever. Like every sequel I mean not that Godzilla's like got a huge canon following, but most all of them are just sequels to the original. <laughs> yeah there's probably some other movies where like yeah that didn't happen we're taking off from this point right here like it wouldn't surprise me if at some point they don't do that with the the Terminator series
0: well the new Terminator movie is supposedly a reboot yeah but it seems like from the trailers that it's an alternate reality
1: they're gonna do a Star Trek with Terminator essentially yeah Yeah. well good for them
0: Well, they already did uh, Star Trek with Terminator and it was the the TV series of the Terminator 1.
1: Oh, that's right. But did that rewrite
0: and reboot things? Uh, that takes place directly after Terminator 2, but in like the first episode, they go into an alternate timeline.
1: So. Yeah. Oh, so that timeline didn't count? I thought they just jumped into the future a little bit.
0: They do jump into the future a little bit, but um, Terminator 3, therefore, never happens.
1: Oh, really? I mean, I, know, I, I watched only half of this, well, maybe even a quarter of the Sarah Connor Chronicles first season. So I got enough out of it to understand that they jumped forward in time just so that they could be at the same time that we were. At least that's how I figured it.
0: Yeah, that, that that's exactly what they <laughs> did. But in doing so, they also wiped out the judgment day that happened in Terminator three.
1: Did they acknowledge that or did, did
0: I mean, yeah, they changed the dates. Oh, all right. So they were like, because in Terminator 3, I think Judgment Day happened in like 2008 or something like that. I don't remember. But then in, when they jumped forward to... I thought it was like 1997. Right, 1997. That's what it was. Yeah. But in, in the Terminator this or Counter Chronicles, they jump forward to 2004 or whatever. Right. And it hasn't happened yet.
1: Right. Ah, well, whatever. Uh, I'm sure that the Alien reboot uh, will be seen. Uh, I will go see it, but... I'm not, you know, hope, hopes are not high on
0: it. No, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so there you go. That's the cover of this book. Uh, it's misleading because uh, Kitty is not, I mean, she's fit, featured in the issue, but she's not as prominently featured as one would think based on this cover.
0: That's true. This would have been a good cover to that other issue of uh, Uncanny X-Men that John Byrne did with the the other alien.
1: Yeah, agreed. Well, we open this thing up, and uh, it is a, well, Chris Claremont is the scripter, Bob Cockrum, uh, Bob Cockrum, Dave Cockrum, and Bob Wiesek are the artists. Joe Rosen's the letterer, Bob Sharon's the colorist, Louise Jones is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief.
0: And my first thought is, Storm is naked again?
1: (laughs) Again? Why is she always naked? Well adam it's not storm it's actually Carol Danvers. You'll remember that she was also kidnapped That's and, right and taken away by the brood last issue well she's being she's got she's getting the crap blasted out of her by a whole bunch of brood who are analyzing her physical characteristics and their analysis has told them that she's not a mutant like these other x men she's a baseline human, but there's something else going on with her, giving her a unique DNA matrix.
0: She's somewhere in the middle of a baseline human and a mutant. So wouldn't
1: that just make her a mutant?
0: Doesn't that make her a superhuman? I don't know. <laughs> She's like Captain
1: America, right? I guess. But Captain America, see, I always look at it like this. You're either if you're born with the ability then you're a mutant. If you're altered throughout the life by something then you're you're a what do you call it? A just a superhuman like Captain America. He wasn't born that way. Right. And then you've got the in-betweeners like what? Hawkeye and uh Uh, Iron Man.
0: Well, then you've got Inhumans.
1: Well, those don't count. They're not from, they're not from
0: Earth. That's true. (laughs) Aren't they from the moon or something? I don't know. Yeah,
1: they're from the moon as far as I know. But anyways, yeah, so they're establishing here that Carol, there's something different about Carol Danvers. Uh, And as they're blasting her, uh, they talk about how they can subject her to evolutionary modifications and they can, they can mold her to their will. And they turn her into, like, some freaky, uh, not quite brood, but definitely something lizard-like.
0: Kind of similar to the uh, the green creature in Professor Xavier's uh, nightmare a couple issues ago. Oh, yeah. Sort of. Not really, though. So, but that was also a human-esque brood creature.
1: Uh, and they're pointing out that she is remaining defiant. She's still got her will about her. Uh, And they they would have thought that they would have broken her by now.
0: Meanwhile, in the background, it looks like Fang is lurking.
1: Yeah, what's he doing? I thought he was
0: dead. I thought so too. Hmm, No,
1: we hear the uh, unmistakable voice of, it's taken me the better part of a day and night to reach the Sleazoid City. So,
0: (laughs) Why do I get to narrate? It's not fair to the others.
1: (laughs) It's really weird that I only narrate part of this issue. (laughs) And then I don't. (laughs) Yep. So it's Wolverine. It's not Fang. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Wolverine refers to one of these um, brood as a techno. So I don't know if that just means he's like the techno guy or...
0: I feel like he's used that phrase before and he will use it again. Yeah. Anytime uh... somebody knows anything about technology... It's just like Wolverine. It goes over Wolverine's head, and he just calls him a techno.
1: Yeah, but wasn't Wolverine the guy that fixed some super complicated piece of machinery with Banshee a whole bunch of issues ago?
0: <laughs> well, he too is a techno, but he refuses to admit it. Got I'm it. no I'm no stinking techno. Actually, I think it's a Chris Claremont thing. I think, yeah, I, I I think, I think it wasn't right. Wolverine in the past who has called somebody techno. It might have been the narration.
1: Could be. Well, anyways, the the Techno, who is a brood, who is going to the... Uh, I guess he's bringing refreshments back.
0: <laughs> the Luminators, they've gone out. What is happening? Who is there? Why can't we call them lights?
1: <laughs> it's because they're from space. You call space lights <laughs> Luminators, Adam. <laughs> uh, for what it's worth, Bub, the name's Wolverine. And then he starts fighting.
0: He throws the Techno through some sort of window. Um, he thinks that the, the techno will be the ticket into the lab, but apparently throwing him through the window is the ticket to the lab. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the techno was the key that he needed to get through the window. <laughs> there,
1: that could be. So he's hacking and slashing away. We get a quick description from his own voice about his claws being adamantium. His bones are laced with adamantium, which is makes them unbreakable blah de blah blah He's a mutant with the natural ability to heal and heighten senses. So, there you go. Everything you ever wanted to know about Wolverine in a single panel.
0: Definite assets in my line of work.
1: Oh, and then we get a little bit of background of
0: Wolverine. Before I was a superhero, I was an agent. Canadian Secret Service. Before that, a commando. By birth, training choice, I'm a warrior. The best there is, as this crowd quickly learns. How can you be a warrior by birth? And actually, (laughs) we learn eventually that by birth, he was definitely not a warrior.
2: Well,
1: they're still working on the background of the story. and, and Well, you know, yeah, I mean, Chris Claremont has no idea
0: that in 30 years somebody's <laughs> going to write <laughs> the origin of Wolverine, and it's not going to be him.
1: <laughs> Crazy. Well, I mean, that can definitely be rewritten, that he just didn't remember. I mean, we don't even know what Logan's last name is at this point, and we won't for a very long time.
0: We don't even know that Logan's not his real name. That's true.
1: Anyways... Uh, yeah, he he uh, goes up to, after he takes out all the broods, he finds Carol. We get a little bit of backstory about how they were in the service together, whatever. And he he disobeyed uh, orders to go save her from the Russians. Yeah, I'm Wolverine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I do. Um but what he does best is not repair machinery. Nope. And uh, he's trying to figure out this little device, which has got some pseudopods sticking out of it. Well, He tries he tried squeezing one of them. Mm. I like that. Um, I might just be turning it on. I'm not
2: sure.
1: <laughs> this pseudopod's getting harder. I don't think I like this. Um, we should mention that in the machine is Carol, who uh, her form is changing. Wolverine describes it as... Her features flow like hot wax shaped by some sicko sculptor's hand, shifting without rhyme or reason. Obviously, the slezoid's gizmo is responsible. So right now, she is not a pretty blonde-haired Carol Danvers. She is some freaky thing.
0: So Wolverine well, can't figure out how to do the machine, so he just smashes it, figuring that if if he isn't able to transform Carol back, he will just kill her. Uh, luckily he, by smashing the machine, it reverts her back to being herself.
1: She's naked and she falls into Wolverine's arms. Oh, that's hot.
0: I'm luckier than I deserve. I hope Carol feels the same. But in the next panel, she's clothed.
1: Well, Wolverine's a stand-up guy. So he went and found her a robe, put it on her and stayed with her until she came to. So,
0: oh, you think time has passed? I thought she just magically had a (laughs) cloak appear.
1: I'm going to go with the passage of time.
0: Yeah, makes more sense.
1: Well, Carol wakes up and she's talking about the fire within her, um, how beautiful it is. But she's definitely confused. She's asking for help. She flashes her eyes at Wolverine, and at first they look like the galaxy is in them.
0: Do you get waves of Jean Grey from this? I mean, I know where it's going, but... Yeah, a little bit. Do you think we're intentionally uh, channeling Jean Grey?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Probably. And then she uh, bats her eyes and she's back to blue-eyed Carol Danvers. She's kind of regained her senses. She ties up her gown, grabs one of the brood guns, and like, and she's like,
2: I'm so full of energy. I want to fight some people, Wolverine. Let's go!
0: Let's go get the sleazoids. I heard you call them that and I thought it was a cool name. <laughs> All right, futzer, let's go. <laughs> let's open it lasts, darling, because we'll Sure need that energy before we're through. Do you think we have a chance? Does it matter?
2: No.
1: Meanwhile, on Earth, the mansion is being rebuilt. But, Adam, who's rebuilding the mansion?
0: Robots. (laughs)
1: That's, uh, yeah. So there's really no people here at this construction site, and it's just an outline frame. But, I mean, if you're going to put a danger room in there and, like, a hangar and a whole bunch of other, you know, x many mansion type things i mean how are you going to keep that a secret unless you're building with robots well as
0: we've established uh way back in x-men number something or other 13 (laughs) uh the professor shops at target for all his danger room supplies that's right yep
1: okay yeah anyways uh so beaming down from the spaceship above is uh corsair and havoc
0: it's quite a beam down too it's it's uh it's a big uh, a circular tunnel of light call it, going down from the sky. It's a space tube. Kind of, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Lauren is like, happy. I mean, I guess. I, I had no idea. Did we know that Alex was up in the ship?
0: Uh, no. Okay. But, you know, that's okay.
1: That makes sense. I mean, he's hanging out with his pop trying to get some, you know son father relationship going on but anyways Lorna's like what's going on and and Havoc basically gives her the whole rundown about how everything's hopeless right now
0: was Christopher Summers with them and he escaped I don't remember
1: I don't remember
0: okay you're with me on this one <laughs> I
1: could speculate but I don't remember <laughs> Havok blows up a pile of wood, which, you know, that just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, they're trying to rebuild the mansion, and here's Havok just destroying all the supplies.
0: Well, you know, it's tough to rebuild a mansion when
1: you got hot-headed X-Men. And Corsair, he's like, oh, are we under attack? There's an energy bolt. And he whips out his yeah, invisible gas. Yeah, that
0: doesn't make any sense. Corsair is staying right there. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I, I guess I was just ignoring what Lorna and Havak were saying to each other.
1: I mean, if you look back at the continuity of these panels, Corsair is standing like, I don't know, a foot behind Alex, if that.
0: Well, you know, he's respectful.
1: (laughs) And so, yeah, he's not paying any attention, and he sees the energy bolt, and he's not like, huh, my son has the ability to absorb sunlight and channel it out to plasma. He's probably mad and shooting wet wood again. (laughs) But instead, he's like, he whips out his invisible guns.
0: So in X Men One Hundred and Sixty One, Corsair uh, just decides not to join the X Men for dinner because he doesn't. He has no love for the Shi'ar. Oh, that's right. Um, I don't. How does he figure out? Somewhere in between there, he must have been notified that they were kidnapped. Yeah, maybe we never, we never got to see that.
1: Maybe the Empress's uh, imperial uh, SOS sounded. I guess. <laughs> Who knows? Havok has a lot of information about this, so somebody definitely filled him in. Maybe, I don't know. The professor also, he's not a, a part of that ship either. He's he's taking it easy, as uh, Moira comes out and tells us. He's taking it really hard. Ho- he's taking it really hard, Chris.
0: Oh, yeah, we get to see Moira. It's been a while.
1: It's been a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she even has a conversation.
1: A little bit. Uh, and, again, so it to me, based on the flow of these panels, it looks like, Chris Summers, Christopher Summers, is standing right next to Havoc because we haven't really seen a transition of anybody walking away. And then Chris starts talking about Havoc as if Havoc can't hear him. But to me, it'd be like, "Um, Dad, I'm right here. I can hear you."
0: <laughs> Alex will want
2: to go with you.
0: I won't let him. Much as I'd like to have him by my side, if anything happened has happened to Scott or happens to me, at least Alex will be safe. Also, this would be a killing mission. I'm used to that. Alex isn't. I don't want him to learn.
1: Um, Dad, I'm right here. <laughs> I'd like to be a part of this conversation if you're going to bring me up into it.
0: Haven't the X-Men been killing Brood left and right? I don't remember. I guess not. It's well, just Wolverine. Just Wolverine.
1: And Havoc. I mean, geez, he hasn't, he hasn't really been a part of an X-Men adventure in quite some time
0: is in your panel one of Corsair – in the in the upper right hand panel the second panel on the page Corsair's collar is half green and half blue. Yes. Yeah, that threw me off for some reason.
1: That's part of his magic gun ability. <laughs> so whenever he whips out his invisible bubbly guns, one of his collars turns green. Didn't you know that?
0: I I do now.
1: Yeah. Well anyways, uh so he's like I'm 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 heading out. I'm setting out to go rescue everybody. I wanted to say goodbye to the professor.
2: Oh, Charles isn't here. He's taking this really hard. So you can't see him.
0: All right, fine. See you later. <laughs> Tell him to snap out of it. <laughs>
2: He's lost the woman he loves and his Men, and I, uh, whatever. See you later. Good luck.
1: And then we're back on the brood home world where Cyclops is having, I guess, visions of himself being hunted by
0: the brood see cyclops doesn't narrate he just thinks
1: yeah which is interesting why doesn't he get like maybe you know wolverine had like red narration boxes maybe he should get like i don't know blue or yellow ones but yeah we're now we're back to a narrator telling the story Anyways, so he's running around. Uh, He's not quite sure where he's going. He's like, the last thing I remember, I was in Lilandra's thing. I don't remember where I am. Uh, But the brood aren't giving me a chance to sort things out. I'm shooting them. And that's when Storm is like,
2: Scott, Cyclops, over here.
1: So he thinks he's being rescued.
0: In a minute, Storm, as soon as I've taken care of business. Oh, yeah. Welcome, sister.
1: We have eagerly been awaiting you. That's my Russian Colossus brood. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Why are you calling me Mr. Dude?
1: <laughs> <laughs> because uh, uh, Colossus and Storm turn into broods.:
0: It's true. Big broods wearing Colossus and Storms now ridiculously large, brood-like outfits.:
1: But based on the panel design, we can pretty much guess that this is like a dream. So Wolverine, no, Cyclops, shoots all these brood X-Men, and then he looks at his reflection in, like, a magic mirror, and it's himself if he were a brood, which is kind of silly because he's a brood wearing his visor. But, you know.
0: Hey, even Wolverine's a brood in this, so we know it's not true. Exactly. Um, I didn't know that Cyclops could shoot multiple things at once. He's shooting, like... Six, five beams out uh, in five different directions out of his head.
1: It's the new face mask attachment. It puts little, little, little ruby cord slats so that it shoots out six beams at the same time.
0: Who's standing between Storm and Colossus? Uh,
1: I don't know. If I, I mean, was, I guess
0: maybe it's Kitty. But it's... it's someone with an X belt.
1: That's probably Kitty. It looks like a original costume thing. Well, of course, Adam, we know that Cyclops isn't shooting six beams at once. He's shooting in rapid succession. It just
0: doesn't look right. No, it doesn't.
1: Anyways, he sees himself. He's taken for a loop. And and uh, even the queen, or whoever this is, Cyclops, is like, you are not a human, but you will soon become our great mother Implanted an egg within you. Even now it grows, it thrives. So... In his little dream, they have just told him what's happening to him. Which That's is nice. Yeah. <laughs> he'll forget that later, but.
0: He gets scooped up by giant green hands, and it's Lex Luthor.
1: <laughs> I've got some property to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that his thing? Wasn't he like a big property mogul or realty this mogul? This is my
0: kryptonite form. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, no, it's the professor. He's like, Professor, am I losing my mind? Am I
0: insane? Help me! Such aid was given you when I first trained you, Cyclops. Therein lies your salvation.
1: That's when he realizes all of this is a weirdo dream, and he's able to resist the psionic attacks and snap out of it. And he wakes up and he looks like he's in a bed, which is pretty nice.
0: Well, they all think they're in beds. I mean oh. don't aren't they don't we realize that they're uh half in what they think is the Shiar? Lalandra's yeah. ship, but they're actually not there at all. So maybe yeah. when he first wakes up, he's in his so called Shiar bed, but not really.
1: Yeah, no, that could be. Instead, he's just laying on top of a giant alien mushroom. Yeah.
0: He puts <laughs> on his tattered uniform, which is kind of strange. I guess it's all he has to wear, better than nothing.
1: Yeah. And he walks out uh, into, you know, outside of wherever he was, and he sees Storm, who is meditating. He thinks that he, uh, well, he doesn't want to disturb her because that could be dangerous for the two of them, but he thinks he'd better regardless. And uh, as as he goes up to her, the outline of a young brood queen forms around her and smiles at Cyclops.
0: Which, if it weren't for the narration telling me that, I would not realize that it was smiling.
1: I wouldn't either, but... I've always liked this panel. I, I like just the, the brood outline over her because, you know, it, it's telling you what's, what's kind of happening inside mm-hmm. of Storm. But, yes, I would not have known it was smiling either. And
0: then Bolt of lightning splits the sky. The astral image fades. Pew!
1: That was Storm's doing. Is she dreaming, too, like I was? So he wakes her up, and she's like, well, Scott, why am I weeping? I'm lost bereft. Out of myself at war with my... I don't know why. What's going on? So she snaps out of it pretty quickly, though. Yeah, yeah. And that's when Carol and Wolverine spring out of nowhere, and they're like, hey, everybody.
0: Here we are. Wolverine, you're skinned. It's a long story. I'll tell you later. Oh, wait. That's not Cyclops. Wolverine, you're (laughs) skinned. Don't worry about it.
1: Tell you later. Let's go. we got to go. And uh, the idea is Wolverine, I guess maybe last issue, found Lilandra's yacht sitting on one of the rib bones of the giant decayed creature. Uh, it's a little out of the atmosphere, so it's going to take some, some doing, but that's what they're going to do is they're going to get to the yacht and fly away from this place.
0: We reach it. We take it. We gone. We gone. It's interesting slang from Wolverine, but, you know. Yeah, I like it.
1: So they're walking around, uh, and they find Colossus. Now, Colossus is having a very difficult time snapping out of it. He realizes that he's with his buddies, and he believes what his buddies are telling him, but he's like, I I don't get it. I don't get it. It looks like the palace.
0: They also find Nightcrawler and Kitty, and Cyclops then sends Kitty, Aurora, and Nightcrawler to find the ship, whereas the rest of them, the four of them... uh, himself carol colossus and wolverine are going to go rescue melandra
1: yeah all of that happens off panel yeah uh so they're walking around uh let's see um cyclops knows that something is wrong with wolverine and he knows that wolverine's not talking about it but he doesn't quite know what it is
0: i should tell psych about the eggs the x-men are hosting but i can't do it not yet How do I tell them and the rest that my body's healing factor destroyed the egg implanted in me, that I'm fine? Suppose there's no cure for the others. What do I do? Do I watch my friends transform into sleazoids? Or do I kill them?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, technically, Cyclops knows already, but either he's not addressing it or he's forgotten. I'm not sure which. Well, he probably
0: doesn't know, no. I mean, it was in a dream, so.
1: Fair enough they come to a fork in the road, and they're like, oh, which one should we go? And for some reason, or which way do we go? And for some reason, Wolverine knows that one of the directions is down to the brood great mother. And if we nail her, we take out this whole outfit.
0: Um, Maybe he smells her? I don't know.
1: <laughs> that could be. Cyclops is like, no, we need to remember the mission. We're not going to go kill anybody.
0: The X-Men don't kill, Logan.
1: And that's when out from nowhere comes a brood sentry. Well, a bunch of brood, anyways.
2: The humans and, are uh, to be taken alive and harmed as little as possible. I'll have the hearts of whoever disobeys. <laughs>
0: It isn't the brood's style to hold back. Why are they doing it? What makes that so valuable? It's interesting that Colossus is still seeing the brood as Shi'ar at this point.
1: Mm-hmm. But he's still hes taking everybody's word for it and punching them and stuff. Yeah, he's a good soldier. Uh, Carol says that her blaster won't do much good. Here, you guys hold the fort. I'll spring Lalandra. Why won't her blaster do any good?
0: Because somebody has to go spring Lalandra. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Well, Wolverine is hacking and slashing, and he's like, "I gotta get myself to that great mother." Cyclops is like, "No, I told you to forget about it. I'm not listening to you, bub."
0: And he makes his way down the corridor pretty quickly. Good day, Mama. Remember me.
2: But you, I sense no life within you. The implant is no more.
0: Yep. Cry in shame. Now hold that pose, sleazy.
1: I'll do the same for you. But then like some blasts come out of nowhere, so I guess maybe that's brood blasters shooting at him. Because it looked like he was right next to the Great Mother, and now he's actually pretty far away.
0: Well yeah he seems i don't know i can't it, it, the, yeah the distances seem to change but colossus and cyclops are right behind him and uh Wolver- uh cyclops says wolverine stop by the white wolf which is i believe the first time he says that in the presence of the brood uh,
1: I'm, I'm pretty sure that you are correct on that save your rest Beady. i'm not listening And that's when Colossus, he starts now seeing that these are not Lilandra's people, that these are, in fact, the brood.
0: I am glad Kitty is not here. I fear this may prove to be the X-Men's last stand, part three.
1: (laughs) Terrible movie. Kind of wish I wasn't in it. Oh, well, Cyclops, here comes the reinforcements. And so, out from... Behind somewhere comes Carol Danvers and Lilandra. Carol rescued her, and they've got blasters,
2: and they're shooting. Pew, 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 pew. Leave them to us, told
0: My gun, which was useless like two pages ago, is now pretty awesome.
1: (laughs) So they're all shooting, and Carol's like, we should go. And Wolverine's like, no way. I got to get that great mother. Cyclops is like, god damn it. I keep telling you no. I'm going to carry you out, mister.
0: You're welcome to try.
1: Remember, I weigh like 800 pounds, so good <laughs> luck, bub.
0: We're as good as dead already, thanks to the queen. At least killing our balances the scales. Do what you like, Psycho. I'm staying. Elsewhere?
1: Oh, finally we get to see Nightcrawler and Kitty. So Storm has flown them up into, I guess, kind of like the upper atmosphere, uh, with the idea that Nightcrawler will teleport Kitty to the ship and Kitty will phase into the hatch to open the door for Nightcrawler and then the two of them can go get Storm and the rest of the X-Men.
0: I'm going to say that this is else when as well. Like, it was probably like an hour ago. Could be. Sure. Because I know what happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interestingly, Kitty reveals that she does not have the ability to uh, go through places with other people yet. So, good to know that.
2: I wish I could face more than just myself. I could have brought him in with me. Well, there's the airlock.
0: All
1: human. (laughs) This is good. This is good power and character development, developing our limitations and then ultimately expanding on them. So I like this. I like that and I feel like uh, maybe there's a reason that Claremont threw this in here because I think maybe he's thinking that at some point he, he will further develop that power or I'm just giving him too much credit and he does <laughs> so this is uh, pretty much straight off of the cover the brood is closing in on her she's trapped she's in her torn up costume not quite as cut up as she was on the cover
2: a sleazoid. I'm going to call them that too I didn't hear Wolverine say that, but it seems appropriate.
1: (laughs) And the brood is attacking her, and uh, she is able to dodge out of the way. Uh, She knows that the brood doesn't know about her powers. Um, Which is good,
0: because eventually she will use them. She is trying to... uh, There's some sort of uh, mechanism where the doors have to be closed in order to open other doors so like an outer hatch won't open unless the inner door is closed
1: makes sense
0: it does make sense but it's it's um it's a lot of description
1: yeah yeah To get us there. So she goes, she opens the door, she opens the inner hatch, and then she gets to the outer hatch. She's getting ready to push the button, and the brood's like, you won't do it, you're bluffing. And she's like, no, I'm not. And that's when he goes to attack her, and she phases, and he's like, oh, you've become intangible. And as he's flailing around, he accidentally pushes the hatch button and is sucked out into the vacuum of space.
0: Because as it turns out, Kitty was bluffing and she can't, she can't kill him. Even though Nightcrawler is dying outside, she's unable to directly cause the death of another being.
1: Well, I mean, we, we do have to have Kitty remain innocent. I mean, she is only like well no, I'm not
0: saying it's a bad thing at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes total sense.
1: So that happens. Uh, she's being, I don't know, she's phased, so I don't know why she's holding on to the
0: handle. Yeah, I did i I saw that too. It's kind of
1: strange. But eventually she's able I don't know how she does this either because we don't see it, but uh, she's able to pull Nightcrawler in. So if there's that vacuum of space pulling everybody out, that means she would have to dephase in order to get Nightcrawler I don't know, it doesn't matter. She drags him
0: in. She still feels guilty about the death of the uh the brood even though she didn't cause it she still feels responsible
2: they'd have killed me without hesitation that wolverine would say i did right but i'm not wolverine and i don't want to become like him and i certainly don't want to go to japan with him he smells
1: (laughs) and so there they are uh meanwhile the x-men and lalandra and carol are still fighting the brood and i gotta be honest look at this brood that's fighting uh wolverine it's huge well it's the queen okay so he's got the queen in his sights you're right and he's getting ready to strike but uh cyclops is still like no don't do it logan
0: (laughs) i mean even though you're really you're really there you might as well just do it
1: (laughs) again i think this is the whole (laughs) yeah this is the whole x-men don't kill thing and Lilandra, she's like
2: you're a fool do you have any idea what the brood are let them go
0: does Lelandra know what the brood are yet?
2: She says,
1: uh, uh, "In this, uh, we fight a war against the deadliest of enemies. There is no place here for chivalry or honor. Only death, life, defeat, and victory." So I don't know. They've either never. Uh, she's clearly made up her mind about the brood, whether or not they've fought the Yeah, I before. think
0: I think that's more of a shiar philosophy than like knowing that they that she's impregnated with a brood.
1: Right. I don't know that she knows that yet. So she, he, uh, Wolverine, is about to sink his claws into the Queen's head when they're beamed out. What the flaming?
2: The aliens—they are disappearing. And transporter.
1: Ignition, lift off. <laughs> they fly away.
3: Oh yeah.
1: And they're like, "Oh man, way to go, X-Men! We're home, hey, Lalandra. Hooray!"
0: Did you know that Marvel published an Annie comic?
1: A uh, little orphan Annie
0: I, I, I'm assuming that's who it is
1: doesn't surprise me
0: could not have been interesting <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and so they're all on the ship and they're I don't know what they're gonna do but Wolverine's really mad because he's like 10 seconds five seconds I'd have had her if you'd have helped me summers we could have finished the queen and at least we would accomplish something
0: Wolverine, why are you so angry? Why do you hate the queen so? I'm glad you didn't kill her. I
2: kind of liked her. Yeah, right. Everything that those brood did to us was justified in some right. (laughs) I don't know what, but it's cool.
1: Well, Wolverine's now thinking to himself uh, that now he has to tell them about the eggs because he doesn't want them to mistake what's going on for a berserker rage.
0: He looks at each of them in turn and begins to speak when uh, the panel shows the ship caught in the s- targets of some sort of firing device and all, all guns open fire is the caption on the panel or the, the, the word balloon.
1: Oh my God. Next issue.
0: Binary star, which if you didn't know what it was, does not sound interesting. Nope. Nope. binary star what the heck
1: binary star happens to be the comic book that you could win if you're drawn out of our facebook 200 like contest and to that end I want to point out that we are at 192 likes only 8 more of you have to push that little like thumbs up and we will do the binary star drawing for a copy of of that comic book which I will read on this podcast.
0: Ooh.
1: ah. Uh. The very issue that you will win will have been read by me on a recorded podcast. Eight more likes people. Come on. We can do it. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh <laughs> a good story.
0: Yeah, it was good. It was a good uh it was a good middle chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Usually the middle chapters are kind of failing, but yeah. this one was uh Pretty good.
1: good. Kind of saggy and stuff. It's it's almost kind of Empire Strikes Back ish, right? I mean well not really.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm just nodding my head. Sure, like I, whatever. Like I know what
1: you're talking about.
0: Yes, no. yeah. <laughs> yes. I,
1: it's exactly like Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I really liked it when Cyclops was encased in carbonite. That that was a touching moment. Remember that, Adam?
0: Yeah, it was great. That was, my, that was my favorite part, too.
1: And when Kitty leaned over to Wolverine and said, I love you, and Wolverine said, I know.
0: Do you remember that part? I, yeah, of course. Yeah. That was unforgettable. Yeah.
1: And when Nightcrawler got his hand cut off.
0: And when it, when C-3PO looked at Darth Vader and said, you made me. <laughs>
1: I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we uh, got a couple of new reviews on iTunes. Uh, This one is from yblood 888 He says, uh, or she says, they say, This is one of the consistently best podcasts out there. Adam and Jeremy have a great chemistry. Oops. Uh, and put on a show that is funny, informative, and nostalgic. Each show begins with a page-by-page recap of an X-Men comic. When the X-Men started to a branch out into the Marvel Universe, the hosts provide a shorter synopsis of the X-Men's presence. One suggestion, around issue 200, the X-Men universe is going to start getting really complex. New Mutants, X-Factor, X-Men, and limited series. Many episodes ago, Adam asked for suggestions on how to handle this. How about franchising, perhaps a complimentary package? podcast by some other guys that could tackle x factor or new mutants crossovers would be awesome well interestingly enough we got maybe this is just the same person but i kind of doubt it we got a email or we got a facebook message from daniel Tudun, who uh again compliments us uh on our episodes and uh he said that we have inspired him to create his own podcast using our format to take on the issues of the new mutants uh and he has also uh offered to send us brief synopsises synopsi of each issue uh over like google chat or or uh, google voice uh for us to publish so that's still possibly an option much like we do with dazzler and avengers uh And if you feel up to the challenge, we could encourage people to go over and listen to his podcast for full coverage of the New Mutants. Uh, He's wanting to do cover appearances outside of the main New Mutants line, but whenever they are in the main X-Men line he would be like check out the danger room for full coverage of x-men issue number 167 yeah so he knows that uh, uh a graphic novel number 4 falls after x uncanny x-men 165 so he is looking to launch his cast soon with marvel team up number 100 which is the very first appearance of karma
0: well which
1: i believe we covered yeah but that's okay he can no i'm in <laughs> i'm 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 all for this all of it we don't, we don't claim any license on any of this. Hell, we're stealing other people's materials and commenting on it, so <laughs> what do we care? Uh, yeah, you know, I never really thought about the whole franchising idea. Uh, I like it. I mean, it, it kind of falls in line with, uh, with, with what my ultimate goal behind this is, is to kind of follow the main uncanny X-Men and their exploits. Uh, throughout the Marvel Universe, so I mean, wherever the Uncanny X-Men go, we're going to go. So if there's a major appearance in New Mutants, we're going to give that full coverage. But uh, for for just minor New Mutants, I believe we would still do just the brief synopsis. But it, yeah, that was
0: yeah, that's the plan. But I mean, um, yeah, I, I I think this is this is pretty cool. I, I like the idea a lot. I don't know if there's going to be people like Daniel who are willing to step up when we get to other stuff like x-factor and and x-men but uh i don't know it it remains to be seen but that would that would be very exciting yes more
1: mutant podcasts but stay off of our uncanny x-men candy that's ours (laughs) yes yes even though there was others doing it before we were but but that's okay we don't have to talk about them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no seriously Daniel done, uh, you have our blessings not that you needed it but I think it's a cool idea uh, and I think we would definitely be interested in passing uh, shout outs when it's appropriate as the titles cross over between one another so more to come on that
0: more to come it's true I believe we are going to do Marvel graphic novel number four but you know yeah the more the merrier yeah there can be two that, could,
1: that could be like the splitting off point or something I don't know Um, We also got iTunes from ZKB Thalian. I'm sure that means something to somebody. Probably to him.
0: Maybe alien is in there?
1: Yes. Oh, it's ZKB the alien. Huh. That makes even more sense. Anyways, he started his own personal quest to read X-Men Chronology, made it to issue 200, then found this show. He's listened from the beginning, reliving those terrible first issues. Uh, they are like the friends you had at school arguing over the coolest characters every week. Uh, keep up the good work. Is he saying that you and me are like the friends we had at school arguing about the coolest characters? Or that I those have, old I issues are? what he
0: is saying, yes.
1: Oh. Do we argue about the coolest characters? No,
0: but we're kind of like those guys at school who know stuff, but are really kind of having pointless conversations about it.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can, I can get behind that. Uh, so yeah, if you'd like to join in on the fun, uh, feel free to do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com or you can go over to the, um, Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go. You can go to our iTunes page. Just go into iTunes, type in Danger Room. We're like the first thing that comes up. You can subscribe, leave a five-star review, whatever you want to do there. We're available on Stitcher, and uh, you could leave us a voicemail. It's 501-GET-X-MEN. 501-GET-X-MEN. Anything else, Adam? I feel like there's something I'm forgetting.
0: There was a letter from Chris Belinsky. Oh, I missed this one. He says, love the show. Started from the beginning and almost cut up. Wanted to say Dazzler starts bad, but I am currently through issue 35 and it does get better. Sort of a nice soap opera type break from normal X-Men random battles.
1: Eh, Fair
2: enough.
0: Which uh, spins us off to our
1: supplemental section. Speaking of Dazzler, I read Dazzler number 20,
0: what, 21? I, for some reason I read this too but I think it was the cover I was like wow they did like a photo cover I'm going to read this and see what what all the hubbub was because it was a double sized issue and I was like this better be good and I, I actually enjoyed it so so tell me about it Yeah, first of all I do want to the cover is great
1: uh, I mean it's a it's a woman in a kind of a dazzler outfit, uh, outfit. she's shrouded in shadows so you can't really see her face um She's got the right build for Dazzler. She's got her hands up. She's got some light emanating from her hands. And you're like, that That maybe was this like a production still from the movie that never happened? I don't think so. <laughs> you think this was specifically mocked up for this actual comic?
0: I think this was a marketing ploy to sell cover, uh, comics.
1: I mean, yeah, it's a very attractive figure of a lady. You, you, would, you don't know if her face is attractive because it's all in shadows. But anyways, I like it because there's not... Not too often do you see photo covers on comic books.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah.
1: Anyways, yeah, it it is a a double sized issue, Um, but we can kind of cut to the chase a little bit on this. Uh, Angel is taking her over to her dad's house because her dad is regressing inside of uh, himself. There's a bunch of flashbacks. Spider-Man says some stupid things, which is just eating up pages Angel takes uh, Dazzler over to her father's house. There's a little bit of chit-chat between her and her grandmother, and she goes in and she tries to open up with her father, but her father is just like, Ah, stop singing! I don't want you to sing! And (laughs) she's like, I'm so mad at you for not telling me about my mother, and she's like, You want to know about your mother? I'll tell you about her, your mother. So apparently what happened is... we. Just like that. I mean, apparently it was that easy. No no real secret. Because I thought that there was a S.H.I.E.L.D. connection, but, but that's not the case at all. It's, wasn't there an <laughs> issue where S.H.I.E.L.D. was involved? And her mother? Anyways, apparently Carter and uh, uh, Catherine fell in love at a young age. Catherine was a jazz singer, and uh, Carter was studying to be a lawyer. And the money that Catherine brought in was enough to keep him going through law school. And when he graduated, he thought, well... She will become a wife and a mother, and she will quit the singing job, and she didn't. And that made her very mad, and that made him very mad that she was mad, and it does not look like they had a very healthy relationship with some of the words that go back and forth between the two. So much so that Catherine, her Dazzler's mother, went to nightclubs, and she met this man who, this is kind of creepy, his name is Nick Brown, and uh, he always had ready cash. An extra bottle, a magic pill, and enough charm to befuddle the most level-headed of women. So he's basically roofing chicks. Yeah. <laughs> that
0: seems to be the uh, implication here, yeah.
1: Yep. So she started hanging out with him some more, but for some reason she always wore a brooch that featured the two men in her life. And Carter is like, and you wear that brooch, which is a reminder of my
0: failure. Grr. The whole brooch concept is kind of weird to begin with.
1: It is. And so Catherine eventually gets fed up with it, and she leaves Carter to raise Dazzler uh, Allison by himself, and she goes on to live kind of a partying rock star life with Nick Brown, just drugging and drinking and making love and staying up late and just being all sorts of irresponsible. Meanwhile, Carter's raising Dazzler the best way that he could, and Dazzler's like, I
2: don't believe you! that's not true that can't be true
1: and so she runs out angel follows her and and uh
2: that's impossible
1: (laughs) it's right
2: you're not my father that's impossible
1: (laughs) and so she's like
2: the things he told me warren
1: they're not true they can't be and that's when we cut to a scene of catherine who's like it's true all of it is true, which is kind of a neat little cutaway. So she's talking to Vanessa, Dazzler's backup singer, and she continues on with the story. Basically, uh, her and Nick Brown were drinking and drugging, and she was singing, and he was watching. But eventually she showed up at a party where she had originally declined to show up, and she saw that Nick Brown wasn't just into booze and drugs, but ladies in general, as he was making out with another woman. But he couldn't, she couldn't leave two men could she and then all of a sudden nick takes kind of a left turn instead of just being a partying laid-back drinking and drugging guy he's now an alcoholic who beats katherine in front of their child because they had another child because they thought that it would settle nick down which is exactly what carter thought would happen with katherine interesting isn't it
0: Yeah, it's a parallel.
1: Yes. This child's name is Lois, and I'm wondering if Lois is a mutant because they share the same mother. And I'm wondering if Lois actually gets uh, introduced at any point because I don't recall any character. uh,
0: I would imagine that they're setting up some sort of Lois thing in this comic.
1: I would hope so, but we'll we'll find out. Anyways, so she's she gets uh, slapped around, and, and Lois is like, What's
2: wrong, Mommy? Why did Daddy hit you?
1: And Catherine's like,
2: It's okay. I just need to find my happy powder.
1: And she finds it, and then she's laying back. and She's like,
2: Yes, that's nice. I'm good.
1: Dad's still drinking off in the background. Well, eventually, she leaves Nick, because that's, that's a pretty bad environment to be in, especially raising a child. So off she went. This gives Vanessa the idea to bring Catherine to one of Dazzler's concerts, and interestingly enough, Dazzler gets offered a concert at Carnegie Hall. The only catch is that it's a charity event that needs to invi- uh, needs to involve her superhero friends. Ultimately, she agrees to it, but she is unable to really get into the swing of things. She's screwing up lyrics. She's unable to sing in key because she's thinking about her mother and her father and all this sort of stuff that's going on and so we go shopping with Vanessa we get some changing scenes so (laughs) so anyways Ken drops her off and that's when Angel's like oh that Ken guy's finally gone so he uh, knocks on her window and he's like hey Allison uh, I wanted to talk and wish you luck with your concert and well I realized that You might think I'm a jerk for trying to get you interested in me, and then I'm nosing around in your family business. So just wanted to say I'm sorry about that. But things got serious. Yeah. That's what happens when you mess around with people's emotions, Warren Worthington. So he's like, I'm going to take your grandmother to the concert tonight. So he's still kind of involved with her life. But I think he's done trying to woo her, even though in this next panel they give... Uh, each other a huge kiss uh heck maybe when things straighten out a little bit we can get to know each other a little bit more normally i don't know what that means maybe she does want to date him i don't know but she flies or he flies off meanwhile it's a gala event at carnegie hall with all the superheroes showing up there's the fantastic four there's the avengers there's daredevil even though he decides he's not going to show up in his costume he's going to show up as matt murdoch uh, iron fist and power man show up Uh, Quasar shows up. Peter Parker is there photographing the whole thing. Uh, Wonder Man and Beast show up. Oh, my goodness. Angel shows up with Bella, who is Allison's grandmother.
0: There's an interesting panel where they say, the X-Men aren't going to make it at all. They're off in space fighting for their very lives, as you'll see in X-Men 162 on sale now.
1: Yes, so everybody essentially is there except for the X-Men. Ken shows up, and he's walking down the carpet, and they're like, Hey, who's that? And they're like, He's nobody. And he's like, Oh, you better. I'll remember that if you ever need a lawyer, I'll get you.
0: Wow. (laughs) Is is he... What a jerk. (laughs) Is he supposed to be recognized? (laughs) I'm the famous... Ken Barnett. (laughs) Yeah, famous lawyer.
1: (laughs) Former boyfriend of Dazzler. You jerk. Well, anyways, her dad shows up. And he's like, Allison, I forgive you, and I just wanted to protect you, and I didn't want you to have that lifestyle, but whatever you want to do, I'll stand behind you. So they kind of make up, and that's when Dazzler's like, "Ah, fine. I mean, not like that. She's like, she's relieved that he's given her blessing, and now she is like, I'm not going to perform tonight. I want to go somewhere with you and have a nice long conversation and reconnect. And that's when Vanessa shows up and is like, but you have to play. Your mom is here. Ugh. And now she's caught between performing in front of her mother or going out with her father and catching up on a lifetime of neglect. And ultimately, with all the superheroes out there and the warm-up music and the audience and Carnegie Hill Hall, she decides she's going to go perform. And this time, fellas, she gives it her all. She goes crazy for like two hours, not saying a word, just singing, singing her heart out. And that's when she finally does catch her breath. She addresses the audience and says, there's somebody here that's special tonight. And she sings a song called A Little Girl's Dreams. And apparently she wrote it herself and I'm not going to read the lyrics, but basically it's about her mother and her father and it brings both of them to tears and everybody in the audience is heartfelt. She explodes into a crescendo of dazzling lights and everybody gives her a huge standing ovation at the end backstage. All the superheroes come and they're like, Hey, you coming to the party? She's like, Nope, I got plans. And they're like, Oh, you're going to hang out with that beau of yours, Ken. And she's like, Nope, not even him. I have to meet somebody else. So she gets herself all cleaned up and she hears footsteps, but that person is gone. So she chases the figure out to the stage and it turns out to be her mother, Catherine, who's like, Allison. And then she's like, it's me. And they they see each other and they tear up and they hug. And, and Catherine's like, kind of, you know, respect, like, we gotta go really slow. Like, I know I've made some mistakes here. I mean, obviously, it can't just be normal. Um, and, and, Dazzler's like, Mom, I don't care what you've done. You're my mother. I love you. That's all that matters. And that's when Carter shows up and he says, The girl is right, Kate. You should listen to her. And that's when everybody's kind of like, We're happy! And we've made up. And Catherine and Carter hold hands a little bit. And Catherine's like, I, I have to go. You'll see me soon, but I have to think about everything. And off she goes. Dazzler heads off with her father. And has a good night with her... Him, rather, and then she shows back up at her apartment. And that's when all of the superheroes that were in attendance at Carnegie Hall are at her apartment, and they surprise her. And they say, if you're not going to go to the party, then we're going to bring the party to you. And she's like, you guys really wrecked my carpet here. Thing, you're getting rocks everywhere. Beast, I don't know what you did in the corner there, but that's going to come out of my security deposit. Yeah. Beast says that his favorite song is Beast of Burden. She dances with Ken, Angel dances with Bella, and that's it. Next issue, Sisterhood of Evil Mutants, which we might give a little bit more in-depth cover because it does feature the brotherhood, or sisterhood, I should say, of Evil Mutants. It's true. So that's the origin and the backstory of Dazzler. I made that one a little extra long because it kind of closed off a bunch of storylines from the comics that we've been covering. Adam, what'd you read?
0: I read The Defenders, number 113, uh, which picks up a, a few threads as well. Um, if, if you recall, in the last episode, the Defenders were transported to an alternate Earth that was controlled by the Squadron Supreme, who were controlled by a notorious villain called the Overmind. Um This issue involves the Defenders essentially very easily, surprisingly, defeating the Squadron Supreme, and uh, a bunch of stuff from previous issues. I don't know if you remember way back, dear listener, but at some point there were a whole bunch of psychics trying to take over the world and cause World War III, and that was controlled by Professor Power and all that stuff, and they all died. And apparently all the psychics converted into one giant psychic being, and that's who transported Nighthawk over to this alternate world. And they also apparently transported, uh, I forget what it is, August Masters, who is the right-hand man for Professor Power. Mm. And uh, he has gone a little, little bit crazy, and he wants to shoot the president, who is also Nighthawk but this universe is Nighthawk. He successfully shoots and kills the president, um, and Nighthawk witnesses his own death, and I'm, I'm guessing that next issue he's probably going to take over for himself. But uh, before that can happen, uh, the Overmind loses total control and looks like he's going to fail when suddenly out of Nighthawk, the dead one's body, comes a giant purple tentacle monster, and that's where we end up We with the defenders facing off against a giant, purple, one-eyed tentacle monster. Mm, crazy. It was all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Anything else?
0: No, sirree, Bob.
1: All right, then. Well, uh, until next time, then, the Danger Room is closed.
3: He's carpenter, the swarthy sergeant said... I've never seen this ugly thing that hangs above my head To hell with all your heroes and the wounds they hope to show I'm just a simple soldier, son, with one more year to go Albatross was tiring And the cook was in a stew The filthy lips...